A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So, whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Welcome back to the Tennis Podcast and day two of the Billie Jean King Cup by Gamebridge Finals in Seville. David is here from Solihull. Hello, David. Hello. Hello. Um, yes, it's uh, it's nighttime uh, here in Solihull. It's even more nighttime in Seville because it's an hour later. Uh, but I think the weather's a bit different. Yes, it is even more nighttime where you are, Matt, right in the heart of it, in Seville. Greetings. How are you doing? Greetings, yes. 11.17pm as I come to you, which it feels very late. I've been on site for well over 12 hours, but actually in in tennis terms, this is somewhat of an early finish and we have Leila Fernandez to thank for that. Although I should say the tennis... The tennis is still going on because there's a doubles match about to start involving Eugenie Bouchard and involving Sara Suibes Tormo, who has just played for three hours, but is going back out for doubles. That is cruel. <laughs> I can't believe they've sent her back out. Is that like a punishment or something? No, but I think she it's wants pretty extraordinary. To, she just wants to play the most extreme tennis possible, doesn't she? She's oh. she's not happy if a match is over in an hour. She wants she wants it to be as physically grueling. That's that's the space she operates in at her best, I think. Yeah, we're in exactly the same situation as we record um as we were last night, where the tie, the night the night session tie is decided. It's been won by Canada over the hosts, Spain, but there is a chance for Spain to get a, a a point in the on the board, a win on the board in the doubles, which could be completely irrelevant, or could, uh, in a series of events of events involving lots of maths and headaches, turn out to be entirely crucial. Um, I I I felt sure up until about an hour ago that we would be leading this podcast with with Matt's lunch because he's promised uh, a barnstorming anecdote involving Simon Briggs. But I do think that Leila Fernandez and Sara Saribas Tormo have made a play to jump ahead of Matt's lunch in the running order because three hours for two sets, that's just how Sara Saribas Tormo does things. And it was unreal. It was absolutely brilliant, wasn't it, Matt? It was absolutely superb, yes. Uh, such a such an intriguing match, you know, how how could Leila, how could Leila Fernandez hit through Cyrus Ribas Tormo just just felt like the sort of question that was constantly 
being asked in that match. Um, it always felt like it was going to be this sort of log log jam on the schedule because both of them love a three-set thriller. And when the days earlier matches had already gone gone so long, I think everyone was looking at this one thinking, oh, we, we really are going to be there all night because those two are just going to have such long rallies. Um, we've got access here in the press room to one of the tablets that the teams and the players get to use with all of the all of the sort of data and and stats and i must say most of the time it's it's quite hard to navigate and sort of find things of of real interest but there was just an interesting number that popped out which was that both players just sort of at the very start of the second set of that match so virtually after one set both players had run more in one set than Paulini and Garcia had over the course of their very long three-set match earlier in the day, which I think just goes to show that this was a match of tremendously long, grueling rallies and moving each other side to side. And, you know, both players were sort of coming forward quite a, you know, quite a little bit as well. It was, it was a match of just covering the whole court. And, um, you know, I just found that just found that quite interesting. I think it just sort of illustrated just how, just how grueling it was, but yeah. Incredible victory for Leila Fernandez. The term "straight sets" just feels like such an inadequate term to describe that because there was nothing, nothing, anything sort of straight or straightforward about it whatsoever. The match point, it felt like every every shot in the rally seemed to hit a line. It was just one of those where it was just you know inducing gasps. And uh, yeah, I had, I had a real fun time watching it. I watched the first set in the stadium. Uh, I must say I'm a little bit nervous to enter into the stadium because it's because it's quite small. I feel like the chances of being picked up on the dance cam and you have to suddenly perform the <laughs> Macarena feel feel quite high, and I'm and I'm sort of on edge throughout the throughout my entire. Has time. anyone refused? <laughs> That's the thing. Everyone's up for it, and I don't think I would be up for it. It's like it's like Kiss Cam in America, isn't it? If you you do either of those things in the UK and it just doesn't work no because everyone will just go awkward and go no (laughs) no (laughs) so so, so I watched the first set in the stadium and then and then I having you know having had some near misses with the dance cam I headed into the press room to watch the second set and I must say I found that really fun actually because it was it was one of those things and you two will both know this what happens at a tennis event when it starts getting late is that suddenly everyone gets invested in the match. And, you know, it was a sort of real communal watching experience of how long are we going to be here for? And, you know, everyone was sort of living every single point. And that is absolutely the way that it should be. And I had, a, had an absolutely great time watching watching the second set of this match in particular. Hats off to both players. I, I was just incredibly impressed with the with the quality and the spirit on on display from both of them it was a real treat it it was quint, it was a quintessential Leila Fernandez match and it was a quintessential Sara Ribes Tormo match wasn't it and it was a perfect illustration of how chemistry can operate on a tennis court and they can bring that out of out of one another and of course it evoked a lot of memories of i mean Sara Ribes Tormo is 
is doing her thing week in, week out. If you've got a few hours to spare and you like a certain type of tennis, look up Sara Saribes Tormo where, wherever she's playing that week and she'll she'll deliver you that. Leila Fernandez has been, she always brings the intensity, but in terms of her tennis, it's been patchy over the last couple of years, hasn't it, since reaching that US Open final that we so enjoyed that incredible whirlwind run that she actually backed up for a brief period after New York, didn't she? She had a good run in Indian Wells, the the October Indian Wells. We all remember that text that Pam Shriver sent saying, no, it was a tweet, wasn't it? Sorry, on the, on this occasion, it wasn't <laughs> a personal text from Pam Shriver. I, I get ahead of myself. Uh, she sent a tweet saying, Leila Fernandez is the best show in tennis at the moment. And when she's on, she is. And I know this isn't Tonight's match isn't in isolation. She's been showing signs of coming back to to some kind of form over the past few weeks and months. But tonight, David, was a real underlining of that for me. What she brings, what we've been missing in her absence and the, perhaps the promise, the promise of her return. Uh, well, I really hope so. I, I don't... I can't think of too many players I would like to see frequently on the biggest stage as as Leila Fernandez. In fact, I think I might put her back on the wish list that I've been mm. developing for the future. Now, she's already done things because, as you say, she's reached the US Open final, but I'd had a long day today. It hadn't, it hadn't all been bad, but I've had a bit of a long day. And I must admit, after I'd made the dinner for the kids and they'd, you know, they'd gone on off to do their own thing and I put the tennis on, I was a bit... I was having a bit of a slump, you know. I was sort of thinking, I'm not, I, you know, this feels like it could be a really late night. And suddenly, Layla... You weren't in the mood for Sara Saribes Tormo, David. Well, the thing is, she, she, she kind of pulls you in both directions because it goes on forever. And yet there's something really intriguing about watching her. It's kind of, it's kind of like a, a bad movie. You can't stop yourself from watching it. And and I, I I I kind of as long as she's up against the right kind of player I I, I enjoy it she 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 makes things dramatic and she couldn't have been up against a better player for that occasion than Leila Fernandez um, I mean the, the the funny thing is thinking back to that US Open we thought that that was what we were going to get from Sara Saribas Tormo against Emma Raducanu that day. And then she lost in 50 minutes winning one game, which is, I think, the moment that we all suddenly thought Raducanu could win the whole thing, you know? Um, but Fernandez, yes, she has had moments since that run, but then they're, they're not often enough on a stage that we end up watching, I don't feel, because... You know, we're trying to watch the, the the biggest matches and the finals and the big runs, and she hasn't had that many of them really. And but when you do get a chance like this, this is the perfect environment. If it's not going to be a Grand Slam or a big tournament at the sharp end, this is where you want it. Team on the sideline, away player in a in the lion's den of 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 a Billie Jean King Cup tie like that, and she's. What, what was she set point down in both sets, I think? And 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 she just sort of drags these shots out of herself. And then her celebrations, the, 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 the set point in the first set, she did that full celebration thing that she did during the US Open after every match win over Naomi Osaka and Angelique Kerber, and it just became her trademark. And 
she was what I needed. That match is what I needed today, uh, this evening. I just felt invigorated by the end of it. I mean, it's 10.30 at night here, and suddenly I've got energy. <laughs> and it's because of those two. It's just a joy to watch. David's getting his first wind of the day at our Harper's 10. Um, yeah, it, it, it was a cracker, wasn't it? And I, look, you Sara Cerebus Tormo left absolutely everything out there. She continues to leave absolutely everything out there in the doubles and who knows, she could score what could end up to be a uh, a crucial win in the doubles right now. But on paper, Matt, maybe this is going to sound overly harsh, on paper, Spain shouldn't have found themselves one love down going into that tie, should they? That's right. Certainly if if you look at the rankings, there was a big shock in in the first match of that tie, which was Rebecca Masarova playing for Spain, uh, taking on, I must say, a totally new name to me, not someone I had heard of. Uh, I was, I was. Re- when I when I texted the group with with trepidation, saying, "Has anyone had anyone heard of this player before an hour ago?" I felt sure that Matt was going to reply, yep, I've seen her play in 15 Billie Jean King Cup ties before now, followed her <laughs> followed her closely. And I was so relieved when he promptly replied, no. Mm. Yeah, because... Never heard of her. Matt can make you feel like you're not a proper tennis podcaster sometimes, can't he? Y- yeah, he can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, I, do, I, do. I hope I don't make you feel like that. <laughs> <laughs> not intentionally. <laughs> just your genius at work Matt it's just well, we all, we're all in awe well I'm I'm surrounded by people who definitely know way more obscure tennis players than I do here at the Billie Jean King Cup and plenty of them had, had not heard of Marina Stakusic 18 year old Marina Stakusic so I felt relieved that I that I wasn't alone in, in in not having heard of her and look I think she absolutely caught Rebecca Masarova and the Spanish team by surprise. She managed to capture the real positive of, of being inexperienced. And, 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 and that was to play with total fearlessness and freedom rather than be, you know, overawed by the occasion. I think it can go, can go that way when you throw a young player in, but it went absolutely the right way for Canada. And sort of everything she hit was just, was just turning to gold. And on the other hand, Rebecca Masarova kind of froze. You know, she was she was making her debut as well. And, you know, she said in her press conference that quite simply she just didn't handle the nerves, didn't handle the occasion, didn't didn't handle herself really in that match and didn't play anywhere near the level that she is capable of. And it ended up being a little bit of an awkwardly one-sided win really for Stakusic, who who has won a lot of matches recently on the ITF tour, you know, the sort of level below the WTA. So she is match tight. She is confident. But being able to transfer that to a higher level, very, very impressive. And uh, yeah, maybe Canada have, have got another young teenager, you know, and they seem to have had a sort of production line of them over the last... 10 years or so. And yeah, certainly an incredible way to announce herself. Her brother plays tennis as well, Marco. That's 
something I've learned. Good, good info, Catherine. And actually, yeah, you, he's two years older. You were mentioning uh, Matt about the the run she's had on the ITF circuit, and I, I looked up those results and just the sheer number, the volume of of wins that she's accumulated. It, it made me think of yesterday's conversation about Alicia Mollick's picks, and she'd gone with the tried and t- trusted mm. names of Daria Saville and Isla Tamljanovic, who just hadn't got any form coming in and were really quite poor and beaten handily. And yet you got Kim Burrell, who'd won 30-plus matches, who was just on the sidelines. It's a hell of a pick, isn't it? If you consider that they'd got Jeannie Bouchard, who's reached a, a Grand Slam final in, in the squad. They've they've got Rebecca Marino as another player. You know, it's it was a surprise pick in the first place, really. And yet she's she's just gone out there and... And taking the opportunity fearlessly. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, feels like very good, uh, good captaining. Mm. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just slightly distracted because I am I am looking at Jeannie Bouchard on the tennis court, um, and obviously I knew that was going to happen. You you told us that at the start of this podcast, but just actually seeing it makes me realise how strange it feels to see it. I, I don't remember when I last saw Jeannie Bouchard on a on a tennis court. I know she's been playing um, at a certain level, in and out, but I, I haven't thought about her in those... I mean, she's, as discussed yesterday, sorry to trigger you, David, she is a professional pickleball player, which, okay, she's doing in tandem with still playing some professional tennis, but, you know, Novak Djokovic isn't balancing his tennis career also with a pickleball career. It It's somewhat of a statement about where she is with her tennis yeah, career. No serious just, tennis I, player. I don't know. Just, she, it's really weird. It's really weird seeing her. Yeah, it, Especially, it sorry, sorry to throw you under the bus here, Matt, but you did tell us at the start of the day that there, there would be no Jeannie Bouchard today. Well, I said that she wasn't playing in the singles. Those were the ah. when those when those nominations came out. You know, she 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 wasn't in the lineup. But the but the doubles can be changed up until the very last minute. I don't think I've ever seen her play doubles before, so <laughs> I'm quite intrigued to know how that ends up. It's really uh, I'm really I'm really floored <laughs> by it. It's just just weird. I mean, imagine if we'd had uh, Bouchard and Bedosa on court together mm. no no thoughts about that well okay. I, I mean it is it is interesting now to think what the losing teams go on to do in their next group match you know do, does um does the captain Annabelle Medina Grigas does she just go and overhaul the whole thing now and put someone else in I mean does Masarova is that lost confidence in her I wonder I mean it's a big call coming up I wouldn't be putting Masarova out again. <laughs> <laughs> it's it it's like when a, a goalie has a shocker in football, isn't it? The the only way for them to overcome it and for the problem not to snowball is for their manager to to show faith in them and keep putting them out there. I mean but obviously <laughs> the manager doesn't necessarily want to keep putting them out there if they're committing committing howlers. Um do you, is that is that because of the tennis that she played, the attitude that she showed, Matt, the fact that she she didn't look like she was necessarily enjoying the occasion or the pressure? 
Yeah, I think I think the first element for sure, just the sheer level of tennis she played wasn't good, and the fact that she didn't she didn't seem to be relishing it or enjoying it. Um, I mean, I should say it's quite possible that Spain's next tie will be will be dead because they they may well be out of the competition before they they play again because Canada and Poland play tomorrow, and if 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 Canada win that tie, then then Spain's tie with Poland, which I think is on Friday, will be obsolete because Canada will will already be through, which is a problem with would, this format. With the format, would they still play the tie? Yes. Yeah, that that could be a tough scene crowd-wise. Uh, it being a dead rubber, you'd hope perhaps the hosts being involved would would boost boost the atmos. Um, how was it today? Matt, first time hosts playing in this venue. How would you rate the atmosphere? It was it was pretty good. You know, it was it was absolutely fine. I would very much point to everything I said yesterday. I think I think that holds true. You know, it's it's relatively good. It, I wouldn't say it's it's good overall for what it possibly could be for this event. Um, it's it's the same crowd for the morning session and the afternoon session you know it's it's only one ticket so it's not like everyone was waiting around for the spain tie they had been there all day so i think you know it sort of grew with with spain coming on in the afternoon and there was a lot of good noise you know there was people sort of banging their feet and waving their scarves and you know making all the all the sounds you want to hear at the billy jean king cup for sure but it's a relatively small venue and it was it was nowhere near close to full at at any point today um i would say probably 3 quarters full was as was as full as it got and that just seems like a massive shame really especially when especially when you've got the hosts playing that's really tough that's th- that was my impression watching it um yeah th- that's that's quite tough to hear i was I was hoping for more, yeah, from you know the the hosts' debut in in Seville against Canada as well. You know, Saras Rubes, Tormo, Leila Fernandez for for tennis fans in the know is a kind of guaranteed good time, isn't it? I know it's easy to say in hindsight, but yeah, I'm, it's hard not to be disappointed by that. Yeah, and and a lot of kids here, which you know is. Is fantastic. I'm 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 very pleased that there are kids coming to watch, but I think that a lot of those you know kids have been have been sort of brought in as sort of seat fillers, really. And you know that's a that's a good solution. It's just a shame that that problem exists in the first place. And I think you know a lot of them weren't necessarily able to sort of stay the stay the whole day, even though a lot of Spanish kids do do stay up very late, even even on a school night. Uh, there's no doubt that the sort of, you know, some of them had to leave. So I think that was sort of thrown into the mix of the atmosphere as well. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel, and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live, and you can watch on your phone or on your smart TV in HD. Sounds great. There's genuinely nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere. And can I just sit and watch court shows in Longland all day? You sure can, David. Wherever the stories are, the rivalries emerge and the generations clash, you can watch it all with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Be there when it happens by subscribing to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. Okay, well, we've got the morning tie to talk about as well. Before we do that, of course, lunch. Lunch. Much has been promised. Yes. Well, first and foremost, how how was the service? How was the food? The service was very good, actually. Today, I think I've, I think I've cracked the system. You have to you have to catch a waiter's attention before you sit down, because if you just go and sit down, they will leave you alone. But if you go up and sort of order, then they come out and and bring you the food relatively quickly and efficiently. So nailed the practicality of it. Um, the lunch anecdote today, as as you said, involves Simon Briggs because he he rolled into town today for I don't know if we can say who he's interviewing, but let's just say someone very important, a big interview. Um, unfortunately, on in the- this weekend's in the paper this weekend, I mm. think. Quite a big deal for him. Unfortunately, on the menu today was some extremely garlicky hake. And okay. Simon wolfed it down and then realised that he was having to go and interview said <laughs> person. And he was very worried that his, that his breath might sort of knock them out. <laughs> so, so lunchtime involved trying to find Simon Briggs some mints. To cover up his <laughs> his garlicky breath. <laughs> were you successful in that endeavour? Mints were found. Simon was saved, and I think the interview was a hit. Matt, Matt's the man for solutions to problems. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Um, right, moving on to the morning tie. Italy and France, this one won by Italy, uh, two 
rubbers to one. They won both the singles, uh, Martina Trevisan coming from a set down to beat Elise Corne 2-6-6-2-6-2. And famously good draw, Jasmine Paolini responding to David's criticism with a 6-4 in the third, <laughs> two-hour, 39-minute win over Caroline Garcia, 7-6-5-7-6-4. Matt, um, I was following this match, but I wasn't able to to watch as much of it as I'm sure you were. Was it as good as that scoreline suggested? And sub-question, how wrong is David about Jasmine Paolini? <laughs> it was a good match, yes. it. W- I must say I enjoyed the first one more. We will get to that, I'm sure. That was, that was more my kind of tennis match because it was just quite funny. Uh, whereas the... The second one was very, very close, very hard fought. It actually started in quite a scary manner because Caroline Garcia serving a two all in in that first set hit an ace. But as she landed after hitting the ace, she sort of took a step and rolled her ankle. And it looked for a while like that was going to be it, like the match was going to be over. She had to hobble to her chair. She received treatment and they sort of, mummified her foot and just put so much strapping on it. I was I was amazed really that she was able to to move, but she was. Um and the match continued thankfully. And it was just one of those matches where there was so little between the two players. It was it was really all about the key decisive moments. And Paolini played them much better than Caroline Garcia because Garcia was five two up in the first set tie break with a, with a double break. So serving at five, two and just hit a flurry of errors and the set was over. And then she did really well to reset and win the second set and ended up being a break up in the deciding set. And then the same thing happened there as well, just a flurry of, er- of errors and the match really sort of ran away from her. And in her press conference afterwards, she said that it kind of summed up her season to be honest, the fact that she just hasn't been able to close any of these really big close matches. And, you know, whereas last year she was playing that really aggressive tennis and it was, it was working. She's doing it now and it, and it isn't working and it, and, and it just sort of results in errors. And Paulini had beaten Caroline Garcia just, uh, just a few weeks ago in, in China and she managed to just do the same again, just sort of pip her at the, at the last possible moment in the third set. And I actually asked her about how she thinks she's got better since Wimbledon. I sort of used Wimbledon as my, as my marker to say, what's, what's happened since then? Um, because she has had some great results. She's reached a couple of tour-level finals, um, quarterfinals in Cincinnati. And... <laughs> I don't know. She didn't, she didn't have a very convincing sort of answer other than the fact that she just feels like she belongs a bit more now sort of at that level. She's just accumulated more matches against the best players and she just has more confidence now. She did say in sort of her own terms that she used to be a good draw. She sort of said, I used to play the top <laughs> players and I used to just always lose easily. And I was like, yep, David's, yeah. David's nodding along at that one. <laughs> but, you know, she's sort of match tough and match confident now. And that there's a real spirit about the Italian team. They don't have a, they don't have a standout player. She, you know, she's the number one, 
but there's not much between her and Trevisan and Cocciaretto. They're all quite similar. And I think they've all sort of got each other's backs. And yeah, it was a really big win for Italy to uh, to see all that tie. David, have, have we seen the best of Caroline Garcia? Oh, that's a great question. I really don't know. And I, because I think it's possible we have. Um, but then she had that fantastic run in 2017, didn't she, where she won the last two tournaments to get into the WTA finals, those huge, huge tournaments in Wuhan and Beijing. And then just when you think she's going to build on that, she didn't. And she she just sort of disappeared for a while, really. And then she bounced back again and had a fantastic year last year. Um, and I just I just feel that she at some point has to develop some kind of a plan B. I know that what we were saying last year is her plan B is to just double down and to not worry about the fact that she's going to miss and she sort of plays a percentage game of I hit everything to try and hit winners and if I hit one more winner than error, I win the match and my opponent is relevant. But when you watch her try to return serve, no matter how good the opponent is and taking and giving no sort of respect to the to the serve i don't feel i i love it when players stand in to to take a return early but she's doing it off first and second serves no matter who she's against so if somebody hits a good deep serve against her she's got so little chance of adapting and and blocking it back and getting into a rally and and i just feel like it's a it seems a bit brainless that that sort of type of approach to the sport and she's I know she's had some tough times this year and I I wish the best for her you know it's it's not not nice to hear some of the things she's been going through and suffering with and and she had she's had turmoil with the coach she had the had her dad's always been on the scene and then she's had coaches that have have fallen by the wayside and then come back on board and I I never quite know where she is really. I don't really know what to expect. She she plays a heck of a lot. So in answer to your question, I don't feel strongly either way. I feel like we could have seen the best of her. But then I also think, what an incredible athlete she still is. And she still seems to have passion for the sport. So, But I, I just feel like if you're going to get better, if she's going to do more than she already has – she needs to do something a little different or at least have somewhere else to go when she's not blazing winners all over the shop. Um, and as for the troll, uh, Jasmine Paolini, who's just trying <laughs> to rub my nose in it, congratulations, Jasmine. I mean, I actually think what a tenacious <laughs> player she is. It's, uh, mm, it, it, it's it is great word. to watch the way she just refused. I mean, you, you stand these two players side by side and and tell anybody that doesn't know who they are that Jasmine Paolini's going to win. And nobody's taking that as as believable because they're just such different physical specimens. Um, but she's not having it. <laughs> she just digs in and digs in. And, uh, yeah, I mean, she's, she's, she's way achieving more than I expected her to do and good for her. Absolutely. She did, uh, Garcia, that is, uh, alongside Christina Medenovic, they did come back and win the doubles over Cochiretto and Trevisan 10-6 in the third. So that's 
uh, a point on the board in that tie, although over, overall they lost it. Uh, they don't have to come back and play tomorrow, um, but uh, Italy do. Italy have to play Germany tomorrow. Matt, why was Trevisan and Corne your, your cup of tea? Well, the nominations came through while I was having breakfast and I just thought that it seemed like it was going to be dramatic. I mean, it's Trevisan and Corne. Like, how could it not be dramatic? And I just thought, just thought that was a fun start to the day. And it was. It was just one of those slightly wild, slightly crazy tennis matches. It, there were 16 breaks of serve in the match altogether. It took Trevisan 71 minutes to hold serve. You know, they've, they've been playing for over an hour. Trevisan hadn't held serve. And then, then there was a portion of 75 minutes within the match where Cornet didn't hold serve. You know, it, it, was, it was just so fun. And it was slightly, slightly ruined by the fact that, unfortunately, Cornet started feeling physically quite unwell. She was, she was feeling dizzy. And I think that sort of really ended up sort of affecting the match and helped Trevisan turn it round, as well as a change of tactic by Trevisan. It was really obvious in the first set that she sort of had it all wrong. She was going for too much. She hasn't, she hasn't got a big game and she was trying to play with a big game. But she stopped doing that in the second set and sort of looping the ball and playing with a little height over the net and just pushing Cornet back. And that was a really, really effective uh, tactic. And yeah, she ended up winning. Both players just always bring so much energy and so much heart to the court. And they, and they certainly did that today. It was quite an interesting um, sort of strategy, I suppose, because again, you might think, well, Elise Cornet, of course she's going to play for France. You know, she is you know, a real stalwart and has got so much experience, but kind of like, like we were saying yesterday about Alicia Mollick, I, it was a, it was a pick based on who Elise Cornet used to be really, because she has not had a good season at all. Um, she does have a good record over Trevisan. It was a three and O head to head. So I think that was maybe part of the reason why Julianne Benito, the captain went for Cornet, but, you know, there's a slightly interesting dynamic to the French team at the moment that Vivara Gracheva has become a French citizen. She has she has nationalised as, as French now, so she can play switching from Russian. And I think, you know, she was asked about that corner, and I think, you know, everyone's getting on very well, but I think there is a period of sort of integration that's kind of required and a sort of period for the captain to maybe trust her, I suppose, and maybe feel like she can feel like he can use her as an option. And I think I think Corne was just maybe the slightly easier pick because because of everything that she's sort of done in the past. So I think it will I think they'll get there with Bracheva and, and she's a good sort of quite tricky player. I always sort of rate her when I watch her. So I'm sure in the future she will be an option. But right now when you've got Corne there, I can understand why why Julian Benito went for her. But maybe in Maybe in hindsight, it wasn't quite the best pick. And Corner herself did did sort of hint at that, saying, well, Trevisan has been in way better form than I've been this year. And that kind of that kind of showed on the court today. They've uh, France have got Germany on Friday. Would you expect Corne to play there? Do you think Benito will reach for the comfort blanket again? 
I think we'll have to see how she's feeling because, as I said, she wasn't feeling well during that match. She didn't look well in press, I must say. Kind of like Spain, there's a chance that that tie won't be live, you know, because Italy have a chance to have a chance to seal the tie tomorrow when they play Germany. So maybe if it is a dead tie, that would be a chance to maybe use Grucheva and sort of start introducing her into this into this team. France are just always such an interesting topic of conversation in Billie Jean King Cup and Davis Cup. You know, they've, they've always been the most opposed, I think, to the format change. They, you know, it, it goes back to our our show on the Four Musketeers to really sort of understand what, what this competition and the Davis Cup means to France. So I'm always just so sort of intrigued. I must say, I found the dynamic in the press conference weird because the way they do their press conference, the French, and apparently they always do this, so I might be reading way too much into it, but what they do is they bring the captain and the doubles teams right at the end, as as all teams do, but what, what the French insist on is that you only ask the players questions to begin with, so you have questions with the players in English and then in the national language, and then the players leave, and then the captain takes the questions rather than them all taking the questions together. Now, when you've just lost a tie, that sort of gives the impression of a disconnect and, and a slight feeling that the captain not isn't sort of trusted to say what he wants to say in front of the players, but it, it kind of feels a little bit like that. It's like, shouldn't we all be in this together? Shouldn't we all be sort of fielding questions together? But but no, the fact that the first, you know, the players answer, then they leave, and then it's like, oh, what does the boss say? You know, it, it's it's a slightly strange feel to it. And I might be reading too much into that just because of the fact that they lost, and I'm sure they do that after victories as well. But I don't know, it clanged a bit for me in that press conference. I was kind of like, I've just been in the press conference with Italy where the spirit is so clear amongst them. They're all fighting for the same thing, and it didn't really feel like that with France, even if they are. But optically, that just sort of didn't didn't come across. That's such an interesting insight. Wow. Um, tough, tough for these teams that have to come back and play tomorrow. Canada's still on court in this doubles. They're playing Poland tomorrow. And as I said, Italy coming back to play Germany tomorrow as well. The other two ties, as Matt said, it, it goes up to, to four ties tomorrow. The second court comes into use. We have Switzerland against the USA. Uh, we have Australia, Kazakhstan. And then we have Canada, Poland and Italy, Germany. Um, tell us what you're looking forward to about Thursday, Matt. What are some things to look out for? Uh, I think Elena Rabakina is someone to look out for. She she might be unleashed by the by the Kazakhstan team. She's obviously the highest ranked player here. She she did her um some of her media commitments today having having not been here for the pre-tournament press conferences. And then I think our first look at the US team and I'm just very intrigued by who they might pick, you know, because quite frankly, they've got five possible singles options. You know, they can all play good singles, everyone who Cathy Rinaldi's got there. I don't really have a hunch who it might be. Uh, there's obviously Collins, Kenin, uh, Stevens, Stearns and Townsend, you know, so two of those are going to be picked for singles. And I think that's that's very intriguing. And then, of course, can Italy and can Canada 
wrap it up and sort of see all the deals. So yeah, there's there's lots going on tomorrow. Matt, can can I mm. I ask who you feel is going to give us our first deciding doubles rubber? Because we haven't had one yet, have we? And and I I want one. <laughs> Gosh, what a question, David, to put me on the spot with. Um, let's have a think. Maybe it's, it's true. We, we need we need one, don't we? This, it is one of the best things yeah. about these team competitions that the doubles flourishes or can flourish, can be critical and fun and exciting. Um, and it's it's a shame that we haven't seen that yet. Yeah. Uh, maybe... I was buying you some time there, Matt, <laughs> with a little, a little soliloquy. <laughs> maybe Germany, Italy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think... Okay. Jasmine. Jasmine will level it up and then it'll be... Does Jasmine do doubles? Don't I don't know. think so. I want to see no, it. I think... She didn't play today, did she? I, I think the doubles they had today, Cocciaretto and Trevisan, would be their... But they lost. ...would be their strongest. But a very close match against Garcia and... Yes, against a very... Christina yeah, Mladenovic, who are obviously a great doubles okay. team. Busy old day tomorrow, isn't it? That going from two ties to four is mm. um, that's quite a lot. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate sort of easing us in gently, but it does feel like suddenly we're going to be in a different universe tomorrow in terms of volume of stuff going on, mm. um, and you know, times out by ten for poor old Matt Roberts. <laughs> I hope you get a good lunch, Matt. Did you have the hake, by the way, Matt? Did you go with the uh, hake? I think Matt's a hake guy. No, I didn't have the garlicky hake. I had I had fish this evening, uh, which was which was nice actually. Uh, but Did I you have chicken for lunch. No, there was gutting. There was no chicken on the menu. I um, had some. Matt thinks slightly underwhelming. Just to ham. fill you in, listeners, Matt thinks chicken is the most exciting thing in the world. If chicken is on a menu, which it's on most of the menus. <laughs> Matt's like, oh, there's chicken. <laughs> Without fail. I had, a, <laughs> I had a text from my sister today who who said, oh, I see I see Catherine and David are mocking you for your chicken obsession, just like we do. <laughs> oh, really? Is it a family thing too? Oh, <laughs> well, we need to compare notes. <laughs> Apparently it's so. It's just such a, it's not, look, I like, I like chicken as much as the next guy. It's just that usually sort of foods that people are obsessive about are a little bit, you know, <laughs> Oysters, different caviar yeah <laughs> or i don't know i really love garlicky hake <laughs> but just chicken which is on every menu in whiskey sauce it's great it's good it's good to be easily pleased matt i that's, am easily pleased bodes well in life <laughs> um i i'm thoughts and prayers for your lunch tomorrow matt sounds like you're gonna need it uh, fun day though, fun day ahead. Uh, yeah, my I'm with David. My wish for the day is for some fun doubles, a decisive doubles rubber. It's not too much to ask, folks, or it shouldn't be. Uh, on my screen at the moment is once again Jeannie Bouchard. <laughs> Extraordinary. <laughs> uh, that doubles is ongoing. It's currently on a shot where I can't see the score. That's very helpful, isn't it? It is one love Spain. They've got the early break. They've only uh, played one so, game. Hang on, hang on. I might Surely be behind. I might be behind. Surely. <laughs> no. Well, hang on. I've just caught up with live and now it's two love Spain. 
They've only played two games. Oh, no. Hang on. My stream is being weird. No, this is... <laughs> My live score says 3-2 to Bouchard and Dabrowski right. uh, in the first set. God, that's still a long way to go, though. Well, my live stream says the wrong the wrong players. <laughs> Mine says <laughs> Basils, well. Ribera, and Bookshire, and De- Debrowski and Fernandez, which is so. I've neither got the right players nor the right score. Great, you know where to come for your well informed. What what was I accused of being on on Twitter the other day, Matt? Um, Catherine is ill informed and always drunk. Oh. <laughs> That's that's delightful. I don't know. Did we block I that know. person? Yes, I hope so. immediately. Good, good. <laughs> um, oh, Twitter. It's Lovely good you didn't tell me about uh, that. I'd have, I'd have been wanting to have that out. Yeah. I mean, what what can you say, David? There's no point, no point taking on people like that. Good blocking. I'm drinking green tea for anybody that wants to know. <laughs> I'm defending myself against the internet. Um, Right, let's get to bed, shall we? Busy one tomorrow. We'll be back with another podcast. Of course, we are daily throughout the Billie Jean King Cup. Next week, we'll be covering the ATP finals in Turin. I'm flying out there on Friday. Then we're daily from the Davis Cup, where Matt will be on site in Malaga as well. So many podcasts to come over the coming weeks. Matt's got a slightly uh, despairing... Look about him at the mention of that. Don't worry, Matt, there'll be chicken on the menu everywhere. Uh, We have our mascots. I've got Xenia. David's got Maisie. Maisie. And Matt has got Darwin. Billie Jean is sponsored by Billie Jean King and Alana Kloss. We have our top folks and executive producers. I'm going to try and say them in a different order just just for a fun time tonight. Hannah, oh God, it's really hard. Hannah, Drew and Jamie. Woo! Um, And Matt, we have shout outs. We do. We have Katie Summerfield, who is in Putney. Hey, Katie. Oh, hello, Katie. Do you know what part of Putney? Uh, She's written Putney, England. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know any parts apart from where you live. There's East Putney, there's... Putney Exchange. Putney Heath. There's Putney Hill. There's, there's She's Putney living Exchange. at the Putney Exchange. Not many Exchange. people re- resident <laughs> in the Putney Exchange, David. Um, Katie. We always have a problem with Katie's, don't we? No, no. Katie Swan. No, Katie's are fine. Kate's are the issue. Um, Mary Carrillo surprised, supplied us with a Kate that we've got up our, our sleeves, haven't we, for the next Kate. But Katie, we've got Swan. Bolter. Bolter. Uh, Bolter. Any non-British Katies? There's Katie McNally, but that's a that's a yes. That's a different pew situation. Yeah. Anyway, thank you, Katie. What an excellent place you've chosen to live. We've got Olivia Rizzo, who is a youth tennis coach. Oh. Whoa! Good oh, work, Olivia. Love that. Where? Where is Olivia a youth tennis coach? In New York. Nice. Rizzo, imagine having the surname Rizzo. I'm going to make a Greece reference, which Olivia probably gets all the time. Yeah. So apologies, Olivia, but come on, if your surname's Rizzo, you've got to lean into the Greece vibes. I keep having flashbacks to Rizzo whenever I watch The West Wing, which I'm working my way through now. Um, oh, yeah. Because the... Stockard Channing. Yeah, Stockard Channing is is the 
the wife of the the first lady uh, in in that. And uh, yeah, goodness me, where have the years gone? I'm slightly concerned that Matt's never seen Greece. No, I have. David. I have. Oh, okay, good. It's good, All isn't good. it? All good. Yes. <laughs> Olivia, thanks for thank you, Olivia. Like Olivia Gadecki. Yes, very good, very good. We've also got Mark Hardisty. Right, Mark. Oh, like Mark Philippoussis. Hello, Mark. Like Mark Rosse. Different spelling. Mark Mark with a K. Yes. Not like Mark Andreas (laughs) Husler. Oh, you are on fire today, Captain. (laughs) (laughs) Undigest. Dear, oh dear. Mark, Mark is Woodford. from Norman, Oklahoma. Oh. Oh. I am... Oklahoma featured in one of my New York Times crossword clues today. I'm reading a book. There's uh, a city uh, called Enid. Oh, well done. I, I did, but not because I knew the answer. The clue was city in Oklahoma uh, that is also a girl's name. And I got I got the E and the D. The beginning and the end. So deduced it from there. Sorry, David, as you were. Well, I was just going to say that I've I've been reading a book on holiday uh, featuring a person from Oklahoma who moves to Croatia and marries somebody from Croatia. Uh, It's true life story and the reason I was reading it is because I also married somebody from Croatia <laughs> and I was very amused by all the tales of differences in culture and uh, and attitudes. Um, and so, yes, so now I know a very small amount about Oklahoma to go oh. with my lots of knowledge about Croatia. Thank you, Mark, for sending us on all sorts of tangents. Cheers, Mark. And finally tonight we have Anna Bendo who is from Dublin, Ohio. Oh. Oh, hello. And Anna says, very happy that the Cincinnati tournament is staying in Cincy. This has been my one opportunity to see live tennis. I go with my son, who's also a big tennis player and fan. And I must say, we... I feel like we have a disproportionate number of shout-outs of people who love the Cincinnati tournament. It does really feel like there is a strong connection to that tournament. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think that's true, yeah. I think it's important to to, to, to people who are from the area and who, who, I think people just went year after year. They go, that's the that's their annual journey to watch tennis. If if it's nowhere else, it's it's there. And, and you can imagine just what a hole that would have left f- for so many people had they moved that tournament. I know it would have created an opportunity for other people, maybe, but I don't know. I'm really pleased that it's staying, and I'm particularly pleased for you, Anna. Yeah, as am I. I like Anna Wintour, who's quite a big tennis fan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have seen Anna Wintour's eyes. <laughs> Was it exciting? I mean, they looked like... They hadn't seen daylight for a long time. They were shrunken, sort of shriveled in <laughs> okay. into her head. What was the yeah. what was the setting? What was the scenario? It was in the tunnel at the Australian Open, Rod Laver Arena. She was participating in a some sort of on court presentation that was 
between matches or following a match, the winner of which I was waiting in the flash interview area, which is also pretty much in the tunnel to interview. Can't remember who it was. So I was standing there. This is when I was working for Eurosport. I was standing there waiting to do this interview. And Anna Wintour is in the tunnel with her separate hair, makeup and stylist person sort of fluffing around her. And I saw her disappear off into a just a little side alcove, which you wouldn't even have known existed, and remove her sunglasses for a touch-up. Wow. I thought I might turn to stone, <laughs> but I didn't. Here I am. Uh, any actual tennis players called Anna? Ivanovic, Chak Vitadze. Different spelling. Very good. Probably. I think Anna Chak Vitadze is, uh, is yeah. A-double-N-A. Great. Well done, us. And thank you, Anna. Thank you to all of our shout-outs. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting the Billie Jean King Cup. This this tournament is not perfect. Um, but it, it'll never be perfect without support, will it? So thank you for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll speak to you then. 